You're about to listen to an episode where we talk about hunting. So you might be interested in my free guide on how to get started in deer hunting in Ireland. To get it, go to deerhunting.ie or click on the link in the show notes. From this guide, you will learn how to get a deer hunting license, obtain a firearm certificate, and get permission to hunt deer on a chosen piece of land. Everything is explained in simple language and in easy-to-follow steps. Get my free guide on how to get started in deer hunting in Ireland. Simply go to deerhunting.ie or click on the link in the show notes. This is Tommy's Outdoors 124. Regular listeners remember that in episode 121, I hosted Sue Tidwell, uh, where we talked about her book, Cries of the Savannah. I also reviewed that book on tommysoutdoors.com and throughout the book um, and during our discussion on the podcast, Sue many times mentioned a game scout named Lillian, uh, who was a game scout and also a wildlife ranger. And obviously um, Lillian had a great role in the book uh, and a great role in educating uh, Sue about the realities of hunting in Africa. And uh, no surprisingly, I thought like, you know, it would be great to be able to talk to Lillian. And uh, I know that you share that uh, view because many of you commented on the, on the post on social media that it would be great to have Lillian on the podcast. And because I'm trying to do my best uh, for you and for the cause of educating people and uh, uh, talking about interesting things, that day is today. Today, our guest is Lillian Remy a game scout and wildlife ranger in Tanzania. Um, and with Lillian, we started with uh, talking a little bit about uh, Lillian's uh, route to, uh, to do what she, do, she does right now about her career. And then uh, we dive in on all the interesting subjects, like uh, how it is to coexist with those often dangerous animals, uh, about human-wildlife conflict, about how regular regulated hunting is what are the hunting regulations what's her role uh, during those safari hunts to make sure that all the animals are taken are taken uh, legally legal size legal age etc etc and also uh, which is subject that many of you are most interested in is like what is the impact and the role of hunting and especially trophy hunting uh, in you know both conservation of animals and mitigating human wildlife conflict and often those two are really related so um i, I was really glad to be able to to speak with uh, lillian and and i much appreciate her time um and yeah i'm not gonna drag this introduction any longer just want to remind you that if you like what i do here on tommy's outdoors the best way to support the podcast is leave a five-star rating whether you listen to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, go in there, hit that five stars. And if you want to go an extra mile, write the review on Apple. This is a great help. It doesn't cost you anything and it's a great help uh, for the podcast. And if you want to do something personally for me, you can always buy me a coffee. Buymeacoffee.com slash Outdoors. The link is in the description of the show. Um, great thank you for all of you who already bought me a coffee. I am uh, uh, really appreciating you. And yeah, that's it for the introduction. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Lillian Mremi.
Lillian, welcome to Tommy's Outdoors. It's a great pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Tommy. A lot of people who listen to episode of the podcast uh, with Sue Tidwell, and maybe even people who already bought her book are familiar with you, and they are, I'm sure, excited to to hear from you. Sure. But if you can, uh, just for the purpose of a uh, of the of the podcast and for the listeners who are not familiar with you kind of give us like a quick introduction what you do what's your job and 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 stuff like that i'm lilian and the book make me, me famous a little bit <laughs> uh, i'm a game scout in rungwa game reserve in tanzania i'm working under the tanzania wildlife authority in short is tower um, and I'm working now, I have working for eight years up to date as a game scout. So you're you're essentially like a government official. Yeah. How did it happen that you that you're that you become? Is it something that you always want to do or was it like a some you know moment that it it happened? Uh, I developed a passion to become a wildlife ranger. I can say when I was in primary school as the three. I came across with my uncle, who was a zonal transporting commander in Arusha region at the time. So when he came home, we gave us stories about the national parks and the game reserves. I said to myself, one day I want to become a wildlife ranger. So from the moment I started myself to read about the wild animals, national parks, and when I finished my secondary education, I just go direct to the college, uh, College of African Wildlife Management in Mweka, in Kilimanjaro region. And there where my career started. That's impressive. So that was really from the very beginning. This is something you yeah, wanted to do. Sure. I'm super excited to, to be able to ask you some, some uh, you know, questions uh, that, that I have related to wildlife and, and everything that's going on in, in national parks and, and in general in Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, hearing that from you firsthand, I think it's it's a it's a great opportunity for for everybody who is listening to that. Sure. And I would like to s- jump right into it and ask you about uh, human wildlife conflict and, and major sources of it, and and also how to mitigate that. Uh, you know how how does it look from your perspective? How big of a problem is the human wildlife conflict? And 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 again, what are the what are the major sources of it? Um, uh, at the moment, we managed how to reduce it somehow. Um, the sources of human wildlife conflict is, uh, you know, so first we can say the increase of human population. So the increase of the population adjacent to wildlife protected areas, it's caused a lot of troubles. You know, people, they like to plant crops in near the protected areas, they would like to find the protein, source of protein for their livelihood. And the nearest source of protein is to hunt. Or sometimes they build human settlement near the protected areas. And the, you know, the animals, they don't have boundaries. They can enter anywhere, any places they found their food and water. So when they entered in the human settlement, it bring a huge problem. And sometimes um, you can say people, they find they would like to find some sources of their income. So they enter to the 
protected areas to search for maybe the grass for their animals or uh, uh, illegal poaching of small animals like for just for beef, for meat. And another reasons maybe you can say the agriculture expansion and industrial involvement. Other peoples, they open industries near the protected areas, which is caused a huge disaster. Maybe sometimes they release toxic uh, substance, which may cause the death of all animals. Is it mainly um, the animals uh, destroying crops or, or is it danger, especially from the you know large predators like lions and so on? Uh, we have varieties of conflict ranging from the large mammals like elephant. Elephant prefers to to raid crops and sometimes even they can destroy house of the of the local oh. communities and they can even destroy the they can even kill some people. If you they, you come across the elephant and he's maybe angry sometimes he can kill you. So that's a problem. Other Lions may eat the livestock. Sometimes we, we face a lot of challenges of uh, lions and cheetah and leopards eating the livestock, so goat, cows in the local community. So we have a lot of uh, causes of conflict. You mentioned that you managed to mitigate that somehow. So what 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 is the the biggest factor in, in mitigating that conflict in your view? Yeah, uh, as a wildlife conservators, we try to teach the local communities on the conservation education to use the local methods. We have traditional methods in, in many of African countries, such as to use the, they put the fence and to use the clothing with oil. You put oil clothes with the fence, it's, it's Irritating, some animals can never pass to enter the, in the crop to eat. Uh, or to use the clothing with the chili. So you, you have to blend the chili and put it in the sun. After it's dried, you put it in the, with the clothing. And then when the elephants or other monkeys, they get irritated and they won't enter in the farms. Uh, other methods you can use, they, they use the drums. To, to beat the drums. Elephants, oh, really? yes, elephants by nature, they hate noises. They don't like oh. noise at all, yes. So when they enter, maybe they, a group of elephants came to the village, the villagers arrange themselves and start to beat the drums. So when the elephants get confused and go back to the parks. Um, we have the other method to beat also the skin of the animals. When the local communities uh, use the, maybe they, they have a goat skin, dried it. When you dry their skin like a goat or, or cow, it produces a lot of noise when you beat it. So the local communities used to beat the skin of the animals, so the noises make them elephant to go back to the, to the park. Um, we also teach the other method, they are not for them not to plant the palatable and nutritious plants near the edge of the park. So we encourage them to plant the, the, the plant which are not eaten by animals, such as 
Saiso. Saiso is a good barrier to make uh, an elf, uh, wild animals to not enter in the village. That's interesting. So you're so replanting all those the plants that they're not interested in, and, and they, they couldn't they they couldn't smell that there's a something that is good for them, like interested in, in, inside, and they're just getting discouraged. They don't don't want to, or is it just buying a little bit of a time to? scare them off before they get to the to the crops that they're interested in yeah yeah sometimes we, we even guarding and chasing them and we teach the local communities small animals like monkeys baboons they just guard and chase how big of a problem are baboons i i remember uh watching documentary ones and the that um it, it was actually even in the not so not even in the rural area but in a in, a, in the towns and in the cities, they're, they're apparently a big problem. Sure, some of the cities, they have a big pro huge problem because the, the baboon, they eat everything, everything. If even you left your, your, the door of your house open, they can enter and destroy and make a mess in your home. I remember one day I was, I, was, I forgot to lock my, my door and went to the office. When I came back, the baboon was opened at my door and eat the eggs, <laughs> <laughs> eat everything, the cooked food, and make a mess in my sitting room. Oh, my. It was bad. Oh. It was bad, really bad. So, oh, we just, man. yeah, we just learned to live with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't even imagine because they're they're intelligent animals. So yes, I, I guess they're they're they can find a way even if you leave the probably window open or something. They'll find a way to sneak in. It's not yeah, like you're trying to prevent exactly. you know a, a rat to get in or something. They're, sure. they're smart. So overall, would you say um, that? efforts so far to, to mitigate this this human wildlife conflict they're they're successful you're happy with the with the results or is it more of a you know thinking like yeah we're making some progress but there's still a lot a lot to do yeah uh, we, we are making some progress and and you know there there's no single management strategies can can prevent all crop raiding and the goal of the management is not only to be reducing the level of crop raiding but also to raise the tolerance level of crop raiding by at least lessening or diminish its impact to the farmers. That's a that's a common theme across the world that yeah we we can have some measures in place, but also people need to develop kind of like a different approach uh, to the animals. Another thing I, I'd like your opinion and your view on is is uh, poaching, wildlife poaching. Obviously, this is a big this is a big issue. And it stems, on one hand, it stems from human wildlife conflict that we already covered, uh, because I, I guess people trying to protect their crops, and if they don't know about those methods that that you're that you're mentioned, they probably think that well, the easiest way is just to kill the animal. Um, but then, you know, there are different types of poaching, right? There are poaching for. Um, Bushmeat, they're poaching that is uh, caused by either people wanting to protect their crops, their families. Uh, maybe their economic situation is poor and, and they just basically want to poach and get some meat. But then also there is a poaching where you have those organized crime syndicates uh, de, de facto. 
um, poaching for rhino horn and and so on. So I'm curious your comments. You know, even on the you know what which which one is uh, more problematic, which one is uh, happening more often. Mm. Yeah, at the moment, uh, I think uh, the government took a huge step to prevent the commercial poaching. That the big the big commercial poaching. Uh, in my area, for example, we are facing the subsistence poaching more frequently. The local community enter in the protected areas for just for bush meat, uh, for timber, for honey. So I can say the the huge problem for now is just the subsistence because the I think the measures taken by the international community to stop the international poaching is huge. So it helped us a lot. And uh, we are not facing that terrible gunmen in the bush like the previous years at the moment. That was a pretty scary situation knowing that you can meet those armed people there in a Sure. In, a, in a bush. How do you folks protect yourself from from this? Is there is there anything that you do to, to you know protect yourself in in because you obviously this is real danger. Yes, very dangerous. But we have passed we have passed the, the paramilitary training. We have a lot of training, and we have we are armed also. So sometimes we use the techniques we are just teaches teach to be there with our lecturers. We use it in, in a bush. You not only need to be wildlife biologists and <laughs> and manage animals, you need to you need to do like a you know social work and understand <laughs> local communities plus paramilitary training in <laughs> yeah. case you encounter bad guys sure. with the guns. Yeah. yeah. How how do you how do you manage like how do you manage to do all that? This is this is really hard. So hard, very hard. You have to manage. You have to manage the ecosystem you have to know the wildlife diseases you have to know the vegetation types of vegetation you have to recognize if there's any invasive species in the park and you have to make sure poaching are not going to hurt you you have to protect your gun and your ammunition it's very hard but we can take it we can handle it sometimes <laughs> Wow, I'm I'm speechless because this is you know you're you're described like three jobs and and you're all trained to to do all three yes, at more the than same three. time because you have to be a manager and you have to study administration and finance you have to be a tour guide <laughs> <laughs> and a tour guide yes <laughs> oh, yes you have to supervise tourism hunt, trophy hunting and to to handle the clients. All that you have to do marketing. Wow. <laughs> yes, you have to do conservation education to teach the local communities and schools the importance of conservation and everything. You mentioned invasive species. C can you give us an example? What are the invasive species that you're uh, uh, dealing with? Uh, in Tanzania, we there are some parks they have they are facing a huge problem of invasive species. For example, in Gorongoro Conservation Area, I think you have heard about it. Uh, they have a huge problem of uh, invasive species called the Eleusin jaigeri. 
the that plant it's a kind of grass very hard grass whereby it cannot be eaten by any animal it's so hard and it grows it grows in a very short time when it covers the whole place and it kills the other original vegetation in there so that it, uh, some of the animals even fails to get their nutritious plants so they have to move and to just avoid the places with the leucintigeri to search for a palatable species of plant to eat. It's very hard. They are very difficult. And where did that plant came from? We don't know. Even the scientists, they have do a lot of researches, but they don't know. I don't know if their tourists come with the seeds. or they, Nobody knows. I actually don't remember. It's the first time when, when talking about Africa and cons- conservation in Africa that the invasive species issue come, came up. So that's that's already something something I never heard before. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners never heard before about yeah, that. Yeah, we have so. even trees. We have some trees which produce chemicals and kill the under vegetation. The whole vegetation under that tree will be dried and the, it remains only soil. So the animal failed to get the their food. Wow. Isn't yeah. wow. you mentioned that you're supervising trophy hunting and, and, and hunting in general. So I, I would like to understand what is the role of, you know, hunting or, you know, sustainable use, like we use this euphemism, sustainable use, which, which in, in fact means hunting. What is the role in, in mitigating human wildlife conflict and in, in conservation? Is it, is it like a huge part? Is it just, you know, like an axillary thing that happens on the side, but it's not big contribution to the, to the effort? Uh, it has a big role in reducing human wildlife conflict. Uh, firstly, you have to know that hunting is taking place in game reserves. Uh, in game-controlled areas and wildlife management areas, not in national parks. And game reserves, most of them, they act as a buffer zone to national parks. So if hunting is conducted in game reserves, it helps, it emphasizes a lot of patrols to be taken. When the outfitters are in the game reserves, they play a huge role in preventing poachers to enter in the game reserve because they know there are peoples there inside conducting tourism hunting and patrol, so they won't enter uh, in game reserves. And they, we get a lot of money from hunting, which help to do a lot of activities in our local communities, on our government, build schools, roads, help uh, villagers with lack of waters to have the water. So if the local community understands the role of hunting, they will be able to protect and support. So even the the outfitters employ a lot of local communities around the game reserve to the camps, to the hunting camps. Mm. Yeah, I can say it helps a lot. You're, you're, you're kind of confirmed that it's good to hear um, directly uh, from you. And tell me, so how, how, the, how the whole, you know, hunting is, is regulated? Because there is a lot of regulations, a lot of rules, a lot of regulations. And, you know, uh, I, I know from, from the 
conversations with Sue and and from other places that you you are essentially um, making sure that these things are um, adhered to and and the people are sticking to those regulations. So can you elaborate a little bit about those regulations and um, and then how how does it look like? You know how how you effectively watching and, and enforcing those regulations. Uh. I can say hunting, trophy hunting is take place as a, a legal regulated activities and a program impl implemented by the government, wildlife agencies, the protected area manage managers, indigenous people, and the outfitters. So it takes a great variety of governance, management, and the ecological concept. Um, I can say we we in Tanzania we have hunting regulations and it must be followed the whole process of hunting so that the you can see the in, in each crew of the hunting we have a, a professional hunter uh, a game warden or a game scout and the client himself so the role of a, of a game scout is to ensure all hunting regulations are followed and it's, I can say, it's, it's having a higher penalties and fines if you breach any one of the regulations. So when we are in the bush doing hunting, we, have, we have, have to be very keen and very smart to choose and to follow all the regulations. So you cannot, we cannot hunt maybe the female animals, we cannot hunt the immature animals it's strictly prohibited and if it happens even you wound an animal and maybe it's lost you have to face a huge penalty so i can say that we the government and the tanzania wildlife authority they put a lot of emphasis and highly regressions to maybe to like i say maybe to to strengthen and to put it it worthful and how those regulations are um, created? Is it is it you know like an ongoing research? That because I I, I guess is, are there is, is there any quota system? So you you have a regulations in terms of whether it's a male or female and and how mature it is and you know probably there's the size of a of a horns or something. But is there also a quota? Is it like oh this year you can take this many? You know uh, this this uh, species of antelope and this many species that antelope and so on. Yes, yes, they have they have hunting blocks and hunting quota in every year, and it it is being allocated by the government institution called Tawiri, Tanzania Wildlife Research Institute. They conduct research every year and produce a quota for some of the animals to be hunted in a certain year. Okay, so it's so it changes from year to year. Sure, every year has changed. Wow, yeah. yeah, you see, this is this is this is great to hear. Sure, um, because that's straight away people who are not informed think that this is, uh, you know, somehow agreed once and then, uh, you know, you just go along with that. And, and you're saying this is this is evaluated every year and and changed every and is changing every year, and so. Is it so? This is, I presume, there's all the that that administrative work that you're that you're saying. So when you're a game scout on a on a hunt, 
Is it like you're reporting daily on it, or is it like you're just in there and at the end of a uh, at the end of a you know I don't know trip or a hunt, you then go to the office and you need to do all the paperwork? How does that work? You uh, you record every everything happened in the bush, and after the trip finished, you have going to report it the office, and the office reported to the uh, headquarters. When you're on a hunt. Sometimes mis- mistakes happen, right? You're, you're like, a, I mean, like an honest mistake. Not that someone goes and you know purposely shoots an animal that doesn't supposed to shoot, but their honest mistakes are happen. Is there a, you know, any any difference how you treat someone who, you know, I, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, what I know again from here, right? You're 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 out there hunting, and and obviously in Ireland or UK. Uh, or even in the US where 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 we hunt the the hunting is actually less regulated i would i would imagine then because we don't have like a government official uh, you know accompanying us with on a on a hunt but if you shoot an animal that you doesn't supposed to shoot right you make an honest mistake and you call a wildlife ranger and says well i have a problem right i screwed up this is what happened um is 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 situation like that happens as well and and then you're kind of have a different procedures or is it like well you know regardless tough you're you're you you're paying same penalties and this is the same you know you're treating those people the same uh, there's no <laughs> there's no i can say there's no favor on that you have to pay the same penalty if the maybe I can say if the you wound a lion and it costs ten thousand USD, you have to pay the ten thousand USD. Are, are you taking like an active role in in selecting an animal, or is it or is it a PH uh, professional hunter's role to, to to pick the animal and then you only you know basically make a note whether he selected the correct animal or or incorrect animal? So in other words, are are you partially also responsible for you know uh making sure that that the hunt is pursuing you know legal animals no. or are you not no you're not i'm not responsible for that i'm only responsible to note if it's a correct thing or it's not correct and do you see that after fact or is it like what are, you know i'm trying to think like is there a situation when the ph goes after after an animal and you look at that animal and you think to yourself like man this is not legal animal <laughs> Uh, the good thing, uh, I think, uh, almost all PhD, they are very keen. They are very then they master their job. So mistakes like that, they very few can happen. Very few of them. But then you're you're not you're not involved in that. You basically. But if uh, I can, just... I, I can give uh, my comments before you shoot. If I saw there's a mistake, or, but I'm not in the position to answer if we get if do any mistake he will be answerable himself so you so you can kind of say make like a gesture like you know that's yeah. mm, mm. Yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna tell him like go after this one but you may go like mm, dude uh, i would i wouldn't do that <laughs> sure. there, there is a i i guess that to become a ph there is a like a uh quite a elaborate process of being of, of exams like how do you how how does that work so so ph is ultimately responsible for selecting the correct animal right yes are they 
required to pass any governmental exam or or some sort of a certification? How does that work? So so you can ensure that the guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, in Tanzania, they have to pass it. It's a college to have a certificate of a professional hunter, and they be they have to. Uh, pass, they be given an exam, exam from the government, and they after passing the exam, you have to be to be given a license. You have to be a licensed professional hunter. And is that exam involves any you know I don't know exercise or any part that actually happens in the bush, or is it purely theoretical? Uh, I think that when you are in the college, you pass the exam of the in the in the you have a, go to a field work. The the field, involved, yes, that was the word I was looking for. Yeah, mm-hmm. involved that training of to to know the matured male to be hunted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, in 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 every hunt, have a game scout assigned because like a game scout sounds like someone who is helping to scout the animals, but in fact the the game scout role is is more like a, a you know a supervisor, I would say. That's, yeah, that's, it's, that would be probably it's supervising and, and make sure the the maybe the client in the camp is secured. And how does it look like? So when when you know because of, from a perspective of the tourist, then they they book a hunt and they go and then they show up there. And so are you kind of like assigned to particular you know hunt or particular safari that is going on, and you're showing up at, at the same time? As the as the clients or, or those those tourists or or you there already before making sure that everything is that I'm just trying to, you know, figure out like h- how how does that work from your perspective? You're you're from start to finish, or you just show up on the day when they're actually pursuing animal, and if they decide to you know stay in the lodge or whatever in the camp, then you're not showing up. How does that work? Um, the procedure is the outfitters uh, make their camp in the allocated block hunting blog, uh, and they are the ones who knows which client is coming for how many days. Maybe we have 15 permit, days permit, 10 days permit, 21 days permit. So they will ask to the, of, the outfitter, ask the office, our office to the manager, we are asking for a rent to a, for a game scout uh, from this date up to this date. So they are the one came to the office to pick a, a, range, a wildlife ranger and take to the camp the day the clients are arriving. So we are normally be in the camp already before the client. We are going we are receiving the client while we are in the camp. Yeah. And we are going to be with them. Every movement they make, we are going to be with them. Obviously you're 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 said at the top of your show that you're you're enjoy what you do. Like this was this was passion for you for wildlife and, and so on. So I, I'm curious when you're on on this on this hunt when you're doing this job, are you are you also enjoying that or is it more of a you, you know not really that enjoyable because you need to you know pay attention to all those things and you know at the end of the day they're going in and they're they're shooting animals and that's maybe not you know so I'm so I'm curious, you know, how how enjoyable is that job versus, you know, just 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 a chore because you need to. I, I remember passages from Sue's book again when you know you were basically in a car with with this driver and that, that's I, I presume that's no fun. Yeah, uh, I, I don't say if I, I can say if I'm enjoying, but my dream <laughs> expanded. I was I was 
planning to have my own tour company. That is my dream for now. Uh, uh, the working condition in the bush is hard. It's very hard. So if the environment was uh, friendly for us, I can say I'm enjoying. But, you know, we have a huge area and the government is not well enough to provide with the sufficient enough, uh, I can say, equipment, maintain the roads, uh, to make a nice house for us, uh, a nice salary. Still, we've, we've been paid low, very low salary. So uh, the, when, the, when all of this are uh, facing, we are, we are just not enjoying at all. You will plan to have something more for your life and for maybe to make you, your, your family to, to have something. So, yeah, that's, I can say, it's, life is just like that. Mm -hmm. No, that's, uh, that's true. So you said you want, you want to have your own company, like your own tour guide company. Yes, I wish I can open my own. It will be photograph, photo, photo tour company. Uh, okay, okay, the, the, the photo tour. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Listen, so maybe now it's a it's a it's a good moment to uh to do that to do that transition and 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 ask you know what is the role of a, of a photo tourism or non non extractive I guess it's a it's a word uh, tourism right because we said like oh you know hunting hunting concessions this is a this is a big deal there's a lot of money um, brought to the economy by those and also helps mitigate human wildlife conflict. Um, now there is a, you know, often an argument like, oh, but you know, we should go the photo tourism and photo tourism could replace. So can you give me your opinion? Can photo tourism replace, uh, hunting tourism or is it something that needs to, uh, be side by side? Uh, I think it can go side by side because, uh, all of them, they are valuable. Uh, they can be used at a different time and different places. Uh, so I, I think they can go side by side. But is so? But but it, you, would you say that it, it can be replaced? Like in you know, it's, it's like what I'm. I guess what I'm getting at is like, are there certain qualities? Let's call it that way of extractive tourism, hunting tourism that will won't be or will be very hard to match with photo tourism. Sure, it's true. And and we can say the photo tourism is, is given more publicity and more it's given more promotion everywhere. Everywhere and there, you know, the activists they used to to hate the hunting and say a lot of things about trophy hunting. So uh, for my opinion, um, I'm saying that uh, photo photo tourism is going to to take over and going to be uh, to provide a, a a good government revenue. And is that the reason that you're that you're, is you would you like to have a, like a photo tourist company? Is that more of a you know forward thinking of like well this this is the future this will take over so therefore um this is what i want to do or is it like you, you're just not enjoying 
you know, hunting and, and, and killing animals that much and you'd rather do something else? No, no. Uh, as I still support hunting, but to, to have a, a, a hunting company is much more very expensive. Very expensive. And my in my position, I cannot... <laughs> I cannot afford that. So it's, uh, I just... But maybe you can, like, you know, when your photo tourist business will do very well, the next step. Maybe. When, when, when it's doing very well, I can think about it. Because I have, oh. I have already clients like you. You will support me. <laughs> gotcha. 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 <laughs> there is a lot of bad publicity around hunting, around trophy hunting. And, you know, there are even that discussions, like, should we even keep using term trophy hunting uh, because it has these bad connotations and, and, and you know, people just doesn't know. Uh, this is why we be having these conversation, like like one with you, where to, to you know, educate people really how how regulated and how strict uh, that is. It's, it's not like, you know, the guy shows up with a gun in a bush and, you know, shoots whatever they're lay eyes on, there is actually the whole process, the whole procedure, and, and it's, you know, updated annually and, and, and all that things that you already talked about. How, what, what are your, what are your thoughts? Like, do you under, do you, do you understand why people are um, opposing or are not happy with, with hunting, with trophy hunting, or, or is it from your perspective, like a, complete madness and, and the lack of education on the part of people who are against it like how how do you feel about those this this movement i think maybe it's uh, because of the bad publicity and people they are not aware of the really the truth of the real trophy hunting so they think maybe someone is entering just the bush and just kill every animal he saw in front of him while well, it's not true is taking it uh, we can say we can we, we are taking it scientifically and we are we consider it ecologically also so i think if people they get the correct information will improve their uh, their understanding and they will support it yeah there's so there's so much emotions around that you know it's it's sometimes it's hard to turn people around if they don't just don't want to hear sure. and this is the this is the biggest problem mm. and you you obviously heard about this um there's a lot of talk now about banning imports of animal parts and and you know uh banning trophy imports that's obviously kind of like a complex issue because you on one hand you have a control of a uh anim, you know sell and and transfer of animal parts which plays a role in limiting uh poaching but then obviously the 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 majority of that is aimed at um you know curbing trophy hunting and and so on so what are your thoughts about that and and if if those trophy bands will go ahead um how would that affect would that would that have any effect on what you're doing or on the on the, on the economy sure uh, those restrictions uh, uh, have uh, hunting trophies then the bans they have a negative consequence for the shared goals of the uh, especially for the shares gold of the union between uh, african countries and the partners so you can say european union uh, usa it has a lot of negative impact 
you know, our government uh, system depends on such funds or such revenue to do some things like to a uh, lot of com of of development activities in the country. So maybe uh, uh, if the the Congress maybe or the the EU should proceed with the high degree of caution. We can say that they can proceed with the high degree of caution before taking any action that would undermine the ability of uh, of the African Partnership and American to use the trophy as the part of their conservation and sustainable development programs. Uh, or we can maybe we can say uh, any restrictions which could have. Uh, the effect should be proceed, proceeded by the establishment of fully funded, the feasible, the long-term alternative that finance the conservation actions. Because without that, a lot of things would be at stuck. Are you worried about that? That they're they're going to pass those 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 bans and all that? Is is that yes. something that? Yes, it's worried me because uh, the the hunting sector. Uh, employed a lot of people depending on that. Uh, leave aside the outfitters themselves. There are a lot of community, local communities uh, benefited from that thing. And if you 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 stop just like that, it will bring bring a a, a bad bad reputation and disaster to the community. I'm curious about your opinion, Lillian. Uh, about things like that. Um, when you talk to hunters, right? They, especially when you talk about trophies and so on, the, the, what you hear almost every time they say, like, well, it's mainly about the experience and you know being in the bush and experiencing and everything and so on, and that's the biggest thing. And that trophy is just sort of like a memento. It's just a you know, uh, memory of, of the experience that we had. And, you know, it's, it's, you, then you think like, well, if that's the case, why would you, you know, why would banning the import prevent you from going to Africa and doing hunt anyway, and still ex having same experience, having same you know time in the bush and experiencing the wildlife and everything and so on, just without this last piece where you're actually taking you know your 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 horns, your skull or skull or your um, uh, hide of an animal back, you could imagine that that would that wouldn't that have like a, such a big impact. So I'm I'm curious if if, if you're heard this argument and 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 what are your thoughts about it because you know if you're going there for experience you will going for the experience all the same from my opinion uh, a lot of clients we are receiving they want to take their trophy back home um i don't know if the others uh, don't like trophy but a lot of them they want to have their trophies to go them to to their home and um, I think if you allow somebody to hunt and to have the and you sell a whole animal, why should you uh, have, make them to just to leave the trough? Why is he paid for the whole animal? So it's good to have his own trophy to make a, maybe a, 
to make him uh, say uh, to remember the Africa, to remember the country we visited, to have a a, a good feelings about the the thing he did in a, in a certain country. I think it's good. No, I, I I agree. I agree with you. You know, I'm just kind of uh, pondering those those thoughts. Um, you know, uh, uh, and, and obviously, hopefully, the common sense prevail, and <laughs> those 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 bans will not go ahead, or at least will not go ahead you know, to the extent this is uh, in some legis legislations are proposed. Listen, um, one other question I have that I would I I I got asked. A few times, you know, obviously this is not the first episode about the conservation in Africa and hunting in Africa. And my question for you to hear like firsthand, like what is the, in terms of your work as a, as a game ranger and who, who works in preventing poaching and, and, you know, addressing human wildlife conflict and so on, how important are uh, initiatives that are you know coming from the US or from Europe and, and you know setting up the hunting concessions and so on versus um initiatives that are going you know in, in inside for you know originating from Africa like you said the government is doing excellent job in uh for example preventing uh you know those this organized crime this commercial poaching and and so on and so forth so i'm just curious about your views um i i i've i recorded the episode some time ago about a uh hunting concession that was set up for the purpose of conservation and like you mentioned um you know uh local community was was uh involved and and people get jobs and so on and so forth and i got comments like oh you know this is the problem the, the white man goes in and holds their money and this is the problem in the first place and so on and so forth and you know i was a little bit confused whether they're right or whether they're wrong so i'm just curious you know is it is it important this you know people who are coming in and they're setting up those hunting concessions and doing all that or would you prefer to see that all done you know by local people and and perhaps some government grants so so local communities can go ahead and, and do those things? Uh, from my opinion, I think all of them, they have the right to to own the concession in the outfitters. Uh, even the, someone from abroad own the company of the outfitters. They have certain regulations they have to follow and certain payments. And I think the government favors the the local com the local people to who own the the companies. They have to pay a, a, a reduced amount of money compared to the foreigners. So all of them they can they can invest in this sector. And the if you follow the rules and regulations, it's good. Listen, one other question that I. I have opportunity to ask you all those questions. Um, you know, I'm as a hunter, right? I can say like I, I enjoy hunting, the pursuit of the animal and all that. And I'm curious. I heard some mentioned in the passing, but how about is there is there any um, need or desire? By by local communities, like 
have local hunters. I mean, is uh, is 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 local hunters are hunting for meat, and because of the economic uh, situation, they're like nobody thinks about going out hunting for fun, uh, or or is it basically too expensive for for local people to 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 go out and hunt? Because, like you mentioned, f- you know, you folks were hunting those animals for thousands of years, and you have a local ways and this and that and so on so you know i'm i'm thinking if if i lived in africa i would like to hunt you know not not necessarily um you know see hunting as something that people with a lot of money can go in and they can hunt Uh, i would like to do that as well so i'm curious is it is it just that thing doesn't exist and no one even wants to do that or is it just truly once people have a you know disposable income that they can invest in money and just go hunting for fun and and with the local communities like such a thing like hunting for fun doesn't exist essentially uh even africans they they in previous they were hunting for fun and it was allowed you're going to if you have a, a required firearm and you're going to the to the Office of of uh, tower. They allocate you a permit. You you're going to hunt. But uh, I think it has been banned for ten years now uh, because it's going. The you know the politics interdicting and the bureaucrats and bribes people. They don't fulfill the required uh, regulations. They just in intend hunt. Uh, without following the really regulations, and the government was uh, just to ban it, and it was very expensive. And they incre- they increased the amount of the of the permit so that a lot of people could not afford it. Uh, but at the moment, uh, if the government started a, a system of hunting for the people, so the government self hunt, uh, just we call it crop to crop the the animal population. And they cropped one, they are going to sell in the government shops. So if a local community want to test maybe an impala or a buffalo, they have to go to buy in the government shops. The government supervises itself. All right. Yeah, but the it, uh, previous years there was a local hunting and it was granted a permit, but it was mm-hmm. banned. Mm-hmm. So you say that now now yeah. they can hunt again buying this this uh, permits. You have to buy a meat, a bush meat, in a okay. required, in a permitted government uh, okay. shops. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. That, that I think that answers my question because, like you said, like you said, uh, surely there are some people who just who just enjoy this this thing and and, and, and would like to. Mm-hmm. All right, um, tell me overall um, since since you started your 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 long time working in the in the in this industry. Overall, is there situation in terms of biodiversity and the number of animals? Is is it on a you know is it positive trend? Is it do you, do you see like more animals are coming back? Is it like a conservation success, or do you see decline and and the situation is getting worse? How what are your observations? Uh, at the moment, my observation is that uh, a lot of animals increases. Uh, for example, in Rua Game Reserves, 
we are having a wild dogs, but we, uh, I stayed in Rungo for about six years. I was never saw them. But uh, after six years, we, after a strong effort in conservation and the education awareness, nowadays we saw them everywhere. There are lots of wild dogs. Uh, even the number of elephants increased currently for lots of them. Yeah, elephants, a lot of them. The people, after getting a lot of awareness in, in protecting the carnivores, especially lions, because it, it, back then the lions were eating the goats of the local community and it was a mess because the local communities may poison the lions and you can find a pride of lion maybe 30 all dead but nowadays it's we improve it a lot of lions are uh, in the bush gotcha yeah. gotcha so it's a it's a it's a it's a positive trend in, in terms of there's more yeah it's a positive trend yeah, yeah. but is it causing an increase in human wildlife conflict on the other hand Yes, I can say it's increased because even the population of elephants is increased and the incidence of elephants evading the crops is increased mm. also. Yeah. That's the problem, mm. right? On one hand you want you want these animals to yeah. recover and you know sure. that we animal recover you have a you have a problem somewhere else um, going on. Sure. That's why we allow hunting so that you can just reduce the number. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> ah, listen, Lillian, that was that was very uh, very educational, and, and, and I'm and I'm glad that you could clarify a lot of these things. Um, before we wrap this up, is there, is there anything you want to you want to share uh, with the listeners? Any you know words of wisdom or anything that you want to leave us with? I can just welcome them to Tanzania to hunt, to do photograph tourism, and it's good. It helps the government. It helps the local community. Uh, to put, to improve, when to develop somehow. So uh, we have a lot of animal good with good trophies. We have a variety of animals. We can hunt up to six species, different species of animals, from the large mammal to smaller ones. So I want to welcome them. Right. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, appreciate it. And um, listen, once again, thank you for your time. Appreciate it a lot, and uh, thanks. Thank you very much. I appreciate you also.